Uh, you can be seated. I was reading uh, a story about a teacher that gave uh, her second grade uh, class a lesson on magnets and kind of what they do. And the next day she decided to do kind of a, a pop quiz and she said uh, on the quiz, uh, my full name has six letters. The first one is M, I pick up things, what am I? And when the test papers were turned in, she was really surprised to see that over 50% of the students answered that question, mother. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, so, we want to we wanna wish you a happy Mother's Day, and uh, we, I think part of honoring is admitting that it's hard work, right? And, and, and I think it is. Uh, I don't, uh, I'm not a mother, obviously, um, you know, uh, but I'll tell you, one of uh, Cheryl's things that she does around Mother's Day every year is that she goes away to her sister kind of up in Chicagoland, and they spend a couple days together uh, eating at a restaurant without a kid's menu, um, having... <laughs> having adult conversations, things of this nature. And uh, we always joke about the text, that at some point between hour eight and hour 15, I send a text that goes something like this. I am so sorry, I don't appreciate you more. I love you. I love you so much, please come home. You know, that, 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 that sort of, don't leave me with these people anymore, right? That sort of thing. And you know, it is, it is hard, difficult work, but it's good work. And we really, to you moms, you know, that you take this so seriously and you're trying to raise your kids up in the, in the Lord, we just really want to thank you. Uh, I, I was reading a thing about, they kind of uh, sought to determine what would be the average salary if a mother kind of, um, that you would pay a mother. And when they kind of added everything up, they said it should be about $123,000 a year. Um, and we're not going to give you that, but we do have a cookie. So... Um, <laughs> And so be sure to grab a cookie on your way out. Um, and they're almost the same. So, um, but the cookie is meant to express appreciation. Uh, we've done roses here for years and years, and we said maybe they'd like a cookie better. So let us know if, if that's true. So um, happy Mother's Day. Let me, let me pray, and then we'll get into today's message, right? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his grace. Um, we thank you uh, for... Uh, this beautiful, messy thing that, that you've uh, put together called family. And I, I want to pray for the moms in the room that they would be encouraged today and blessed and that they would be honored um, uh, for the work that they do. Uh, we thank you again for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. There are uh, certainly things that I could say from this stage that would elicit a reaction and would be controversial. Uh, I could stand up here and I could say, man... Coke is far superior to Pepsi, right? And somebody would stand up and say, you're a liar, right? That, that is not true. And you would debate me. Or I could say, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. And some of you would cheer and some of you would want to debate that. I could uh, express, if I really wanted to kind of get into this, I could express an opinion on pandemic response and mass and vaccination. And we could have a great Mother's Day just fighting, right? <laughs> And our culture, we ca this is like what we kind of run on, right? In, in, in our culture, we run on this sort of thing. Almost every network has a debate side of their network. 
Right? So you turn on ESPN and you're going to see people debating about sports. You're going to turn on news and you're going to see people debating about, about news. The one that always throws me off are, are even like the Food Network, the cooking shows, where you tune the ending and you're like, oh, we're fighting about this. Okay, all right. We're, we're fighting about whether or not this is a good recipe. We kind of thrive on controversy. And I'll tell you, after all the years that I've been preaching, there are a few things that we will ever talk about here that is more controversial than this. So I decided to do it on Mother's Day um, because I'm just, I don't know why I did that. But, um, and it's this idea of, of submission. And I'm not even just talking about what Paul is going to share here in a minute that we're going to explore together, but just submission to anything, right? When you talk about submitting to governing authorities, people are like, well, you don't understand how bad government is. I said, well, when Paul wrote that, a guy named Nero was in power and pretty bad dude, right? Um, so, I mean, and, and so... Even something like that, submitting to governing authorities or, um, you know, submitting to, to kind of rulership at your work or submitting in any context, even sometimes submitting to Jesus. We don't, we don't even love talking about that. We don't like that word. We don't like that word. And so we've been in this series called The Grace-Centered Family, and we're talking about these attributes that just kind of flow out of us when we understand grace and when we understand the grace of God. And uh, last week we talked about sacrificial love, that when we understand the grace of our God, sacrificial love just flows out. This is going to be the same way. Submission is an attribute that flows out of an understanding of God's grace. So here's what Paul says in Ephesians 5. Remember, we've been talking about how for the first four chapters or so, Paul's just been diving deep on the gospel and grace and the good news and Jesus' work on the cross. And then he kind of gets to this moment in the book of Ephesians where he says, now let's start applying this. And one of the ways that he chooses to do that is his family. And here's what he says in Ephesians 5 verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Very important phrase there, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So this issue of submission that Paul talks about flows from an understanding of grace. Because grace is absolutely focused on others and what they need the the most. And we talked about this before. That's just not the gospel. The gospel is not focused on what I need the most. The most famous verse in the Bible is, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The grace of God was focused on what we needed the most. And submission is cut from that same cloth. But before we get there, let's make a couple observations about the text, right? First is that the second comments, you'll notice, were kind of focused on wives. But the first comments, right? So a lot of, sometimes when someone's trying to win a battle or whatever, guys very foolishly do not do this. But like, hey, Ephesians 5.22, right? You know, you really should submit. And they forget Ephesians 5.21, which says, submit to one another. The healthiest families The healthiest marriages, the healthiest church dynamics that I know are ones that are not consumed with what I want. They're not even consumed with what I need. They are built on this mutual submission to one another. Everyone is trying to out-submit the other. And I'm telling you, we may not like the word submission. It may just rub us the wrong way in this current culture, and I totally get that. But mutual submission is where it's at. 
Put that on a t-shirt, right? Mutual submission. It is where it's at. It is a husband and a wife and children out submitting one another, and it leads to great joy, right? So secondly, the comments do seem to ask the wives to lead on this. And if you were here last Sunday, you remember that there was a kind of way in which God did this with the men too, right? We read that passage, we're like, oh my goodness, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Paul, it is 2022, dude, right? What on earth are you doing? But remember how Christ is the head of the church. He's the head sacrificer, right? He, he's the head, uh, the, the head of love. He, he, he does all of that stuff. He gives himself up for the good of the church. And he says, husband, you're to, everybody in the family is to love this way. But husbands, Paul says, I'm going to ask you to take the lead on it to make sure your family loves this way. We talked about mutual sacrifice and mutual love. He says, this is essentially what he's saying to the wives. He said, somebody in the family has to set the tone and somebody in the family has to take the lead on what this can look like. And he asks the wives to do that. Emerson Egrich, in his best-selling book, Love and Respect, he makes the argument that the reason Paul does this is because the husband and the wife are both kind of meeting a core need that the other has. That the husband has this kind of core need that God built inside of him to lead, Right? Wives, I'll let you in on a little secret on your husband. He has a desire to lead. He has a desire to lead your family well. He kind of wants to be the hero in that way. And then Emerson says uh, that, that wives uh, have this kind of core uh, desire to be loved and to be loved well. So he says, husbands, as you take the lead in your family, yes, everybody should be loving everybody else. But husbands, you love your wife like Christ loved the church. And it kind of meets her core need. And then uh, he, he says to the wives, would you kind of sub- submit to your husband? And there should be, we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, but wives, would you do that? And it kind of meets his core need to be able to lead and to lead well. And the truth is, all of this kind of brokenness in family, it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, right? God created this garden. He created the first man and the first woman, and, he, and it was all perfect. It was all good. It was all kind of the way it should be. And then sin entered the world. And what happened with sin is that it ended up breaking a lot of things, but part of what it broke was the family that Adam and Eve have together. You may remember when Adam gets confronted, one of the first things he says is, this woman that you created and put here with me, right? And they start blaming each other, and it's ugly, and it's not good, and sin kind of dissolves the family relationship, and this series of curses come down, and here's, I want to read uh, to the one uh, that, that is said to the woman, we could have read the whole chapter, but I, I didn't want to do that. But here's what it says in Genesis 3. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe, thanks, and with, toil, with painful toil, you will give birth to children. Some of you are like, preach, right? Your, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And so here's the question of the Bible, you guys. Is this just how family is now? Desire rulership, tension, that relationships are marriage, are, and relationships and marriage, that they're just broken and hard and unrepairable. And the good news is no. That through grace, through Jesus, he has given us this gift of his example, this gift of his grace to begin to repair all of the world, but especially our families. He's given us the example of loving leadership, what it looks like to really love each other well. He has given us the example of appropriate submission, mutual respect, drugs for childbirth, right? He's given us all that, right? Oh, wait, no. He's given us some of those things, right? And he has addressed these things 
in the gospel. So no, family doesn't have to stay broken. Because of Jesus' work and because of his grace, we can learn what it looks like to mutually submit, to mutually love, and to mutually sacrifice. And our families will be better because of it. And I think we have a really hard time with submission. I mean, it really, it just... You know, even up here, I feel like I got to, well, here's what the Greek word, you know, here's what, you know, it doesn't really mean what we think. And I feel the need to explain it because it bristles us so much because we don't understand it. We have a caricature of what submission looks like, and it's not right or appropriate. It's actually part of the curse. What we've made submission and our sinfulness is actually part of the curse. It's not what it is at all. So let's talk for just a few minutes about what it's not, right? So first of all, submission is not forced. Right? Submission is not forced. That's called subjugation. Right? When you force someone to submit to your will, it's subjugation, it is abuse, and it's wrong. So it's not, it's not, it's not that at all. Submission is not a statement of lesser value. That's called subservience. Right? Have you ever uh, been around someone that was being served by someone at a restaurant or whatever, and they just treated that person in a really, really ugly, nasty way. You're like, what on earth is wrong with that? Because we have this thing in us that we know that is wrong. Jesus will actually turn this on its head in the gospel, and he'll say, man, if you really want to talk about value uh, to a person, it's, there's, there's actually a greater value in serving. Here's what he says. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your what? Your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he says, it's not subservience. It's not a statement of value. As a matter of fact, when you serve, he says, you are becoming great in the kingdom of God. Submission is also not the abandonment of freedom of thought or expression, right? Some people really believe this about submission, that, man, if I kind of adopt submission as a mindset in our family and we're all just mutually submitting to one another, then I have to give up my ability to have an opinion or freedom of thought. And I would say that's not what submission is. The actual healthiest families I know have a culture of opinion sharing, right? So... That, that's what submission is not. And, and there's kind of two layers of submission. One, I think, is really easy, and the other is really hard. One kind of layer of submission is over issues of right and wrong, where you're like, man, I have somebody over me and authority over me, and they're telling me to do this, and I think it's wrong. What do I do? Well, the biblical kind of narrative on this is that the highest authority wins when there's conflict. So whenever there's a conflict between two kind of governing bodies, if you will, the highest authority always wins when there's a conflict. So if your parents ask you to do something illegal, the higher authority called the law wins. If your government is asking you to do something immoral, the higher authority called God wins. If your friend is asking you uh, to do something wrong and your mom says no, the higher authority called mom <laughs> wins, right? Mom wins a lot of those battles, actually. You get the point. Now, we'd like to talk about that, but here's the truth. That is a very small fraction of what we deal with when it comes to submission. The thing we deal with most is in the other lane, and this happens hundreds of times a day. It's in matters of opinion. The Bible will call these disputable matters. 
Should we buy this house or that? Should we take this job or that? Should we go on this vacation or that? Should we send our college to this one or the other one? And in this land, things become less clear. And it's in this land that relationships are ripe for conflict and resentment and difficulty. And what family needs most in this moment, Paul would say, is mutual submission. Mutual submission. So Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we understand how powerful this is. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're here today, you understand what Paul is saying here because embedded in your relationship with Jesus is the idea of submission. That submission is in large part what makes the relationship work. And submission in a large part in our relationship with Jesus is what results in our joy. Right? So let's consider submission to Jesus just for a minute. I had the joy a few months ago of baptizing my son Sam. And his baptism... Uh, a few months ago, was a reflection of his desire for submission. That, uh, here's what baptism says, that I'm kind of done doing things my way. I want to do things the Jesus way. So he's put under the water, kind of signifying the death of that rebellious mindset, and he's raised submitting to Christ Jesus. And I believe that change in mindset that, man, I'm insisting on my own way, I'm doing my own way, I want things my own way, to I want to do things the way of Christ. I believe that moment of submission will result long-term in his joy. All right, consider the Sermon on the Mount for a minute. The most probably famous sermon Jesus ever preached. You could make an argument for that, certainly. He talks about these things in the sermon about managing your anger and lust and keeping our promises, and not worry, not being greedy, having a robust and healthy spiritual life. And when we, re, when we submit to his teachings, we say, not my way, Jesus, but your way, when we submit to his teachings, it leads to joy. Here's how Jesus said it. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. It was submissive. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, I'm not doing that, Jesus. My way, my desire, my life, they're like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. In a family relationship, in any relationship, church relationship, family, whatever, where everybody's insisting on their way, their will, and their desire. You know families like this, you know it doesn't work very well. Here's the truth. Mutual submission brings joy. I think the other thing uh, we understand because of this, and it kind of complicates it on the other side of it, but in our submission to Jesus, a large part, not in totality, but part of our submission to Jesus uh, is because it's a re- we understand his character. So we understand that he's righteous. And so he's always going to ask us to do the right thing. We understand that about Jesus. He is absolutely righteous. So when he says something, we believe it and we submit. He's holy. In other words, we understand that his way may look different and may be different from the rest of culture, but different is good. And so we understand he's holy, so we submit to his holiness. He's all-knowing. And so there are things he knows about what has happened before and things that he knows will happen in the future that we don't understand, but because we trust his knowledge, we submit to him. And here's why this complicates things. It is true 
that no one you are going to submit to and no one you're going to be called to submit to is as good as Jesus. No one's as holy as him. No one's as righteous as him. Nobody's as knowledgeable as him. And that's true. You're like, yeah, submitting to Jesus is easy because he's awesome. My boss at work, Steve, not awesome. <laughs> Our government, not awesome. Right? The people I interact with, not awesome. And while that is true, I, I don't know if your boss is awesome or not. We'll let that go. But while that's true, <laughs> submission holds a valuable place in our family. And this is what makes it a grace attribute. Because submission is freely given from us. And it's freely given from us to sinners. And it's given from sinners to us. So this is why submission is a grace attribute, because they maybe don't deserve it. They didn't earn it. We sing a song about this when it comes to grace, right? We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But Christ just gives us his grace. Submission is the same way. That because we're, you know, we never have to do this with Jesus because he's fully holy and righteous. But when we're dealing in the, with the rest of the world outside of Jesus, less awesome, less holy, less righteous. This is what makes it a grace. It's like for the good of this relationship, and for the good of this family, for the good of all of that stuff, I will freely give you my submission. And listen, it results in joy. So in families that are really healthy, and in marriages that are really healthy, and friendships that are really healthy, and churches that are really healthy, there is this kind of debate that happens of who's going to out-submit the other. Right, this mutual submission piece that who's going to outserve, who's going to outgive, who's going to outsubmit, and, and this can include the whole family, church family, whatever. But man, I am going to because of what Christ has done for me, uh, and I understand His grace. I'm going to outsubmit, outserve, outgrace. Right. So let's talk for a minute about what this can look like, and then I'm done stepping on toes on this wonderful Mother's Day, and you can go have a great lunch and. Trash me if you wish, right? So, um, <laughs> what kind of knucklehead preaches on submission on Mother's Day? But uh, um, here's the Greek definition of, of submission it is a voluntary and joyful attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. So, when we talk about mutual submission in a family context, it causes us to ask some questions that are really good. And if you're still in the dog days of raising your kids, this will be applicable to you. If you're done and you're just operating within friendship, this will be very applicable to you. If you're grandparenting right now, this will be very applicable to you because we are called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So here's the questions on the screen for you. The first one, am I willing to give in? There are people that will tell you in this culture that you should never, ever do that. Like, no, no, no. Never give in. Never assert, never uh, always assert your way. Right? Never, ever, ever give in. Can I tell you a little secret just between you and me? Those people are unhappy. They're miserable. They're in arguments and fights all the time. Giving in is a submission attribute. Now, sometimes you can't. 
We talked about the higher authority thing. Sometimes you can't, and sometimes it doesn't make sense to you, and it's not wrong to have an opinion, obviously, but this is a question when it comes to mutual submission in, 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 in our families. Am I willing to give in? Some of you, the last time you gave in was the Carter administration. <laughs> You're wearing your family out. Oh, yeah, I remember giving. You remember when we bought our first house? It was 72. <laughs> That's a long time to like, not give in, right? So mutual submission, am I giving in? Second question, am I cooperating? Is there a sense in my relationships and my family that we are a team, and while we both are expressing our opinion and we have a desire to do it different ways, that we are going to work it out together? Because sacrificial love and submission requires this, Right? So am I cooperating and finding a godly solution for our disagreement? The, op- the opposite of cooperating are things like insistence on my own way, bullying to get my own way, posting to Facebook, hey, I just want to kind of, you know, take a survey. You know, my husband and I, my wife and I, we're having this disagreement. I just want to see what social media says. And you're like, oh, they're having trouble. All right, they're having, yeah, once you go to Facebook, spoiler alert, the argument's over. You've lost, right? So am I, am I cooperating to come to godly, good solutions for our, for our family? And this makes for a very healthy environment. Next one. Am I assuming responsibility and carrying a burden? So I like this part of the definition. Because one of the things that can happen with, after we, a, a, a submission sermon is that you're having an argument with someone that you love and you start to engage in what I call begrudging submission, right? And so remember, submission is the joyful and laying down of one, one's will. And what can happen is sometimes we're like, you know what, fine. It always starts with, it's, it's like, fine. We'll do it your way. You, can, you, you win this one. Uh, you take the lead. But the truth is, if you really dig down deep, the truth is you're kind of hoping it fails, you're kind of hoping it fails because if it fails, you were right. You know what true submission does? True submission helps assume responsibility. It's a big deal, right? Giving in, giving in to the person you're in conflict with, that's like junior varsity. Taking up responsibility to make it a success, that's varsity. Right? That, that's, that's really bold. That's really strong. But it's assuming, it's assuming responsibility to, to, to make the venture a success. And it's what healthy relationships do. It's not what I want for dinner, but can I do some of the chopping? It's not the house I wanted, but can I gather some of the paperwork for the bank? It's not the college I wanted them to go to, but can I help you fill out your FAFSA form and start helping get, get you ready? And this is what submission can look like. It's not just, Fine. Right? Fine. You're giggling because you know this happens in relationships. Fine. We'll do it your way. And a lot of times we're just kind of, you end up just kind of badgered down because of the argument. You don't want to fight anymore. Fine. That's not true submission. True submission is, let me carry part of the burden. Let me help make this a success. Right? Submission, I am telling you, um, I feel the tension whenever I preach on it and in any venue. I am telling you, it is a game changer. It is a game changer. 
Mutual submission in a family context will change your family. Mutual submission in a church context will change a church. Mutual submission in a friendship will change a friendship. It is one of the most powerful tools that God gives us, and almost always our reaction is, I just don't want to. I just don't want to. I want to assert my way. I want to assert my way. I want it to be done my way. And we're missing an opportunity to bring a level of health and grace and dynamic into our relationships. Here's what Paul writes in Philippians. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Let me ask you a question. Was Jesus nothing? Very good, all right? We were, I was going to preach for 45 minutes more if you'd said yes. <laughs> no, Jesus was not nothing. Jesus was something. As a matter of fact, when he did miracles, when he taught, when he did all that stuff, people were like, that guy's something. He teaches as one with authority. His miracles and all, it is amazing. No, he was not nothing. What did he do? He made himself Nothing. By taking on the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He made himself nothing. And he took on the nature of a servant. And our lives are forever changed because of it. And I'm telling you, if you've got, you got young kids at home still, or you're grandparenting young kids, or whatever the case may be, this is a gift to them. This is a gift to them. That instead of coming home every day and hearing 8, 10, 15 arguments, they see a mom, a dad, a grandparent engaged in mutual submission for the joy of the family, and for their own joy. It is an absolute game changer. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his grace. And uh, flowing out of our understanding of grace, so many beautiful things come for our family. And so I just want to pray for every person in this room, in, in the dog days of raising kids or not, that we would see the beauty of this gift you have given us through the cross. That we would see the beauty of mutual submission. That it's not a word that we would hear and, oh, we bristle and, Paul, it's 2022, and all that, that we wouldn't bristle at it. But we would view it as a gift that will change our marriage and change our family, change our church, change our friendships now and forever. And that we wouldn't see it as subjugation, something we're forced to do, subservience, something lesser people do, that we wouldn't see it that way. That we would see it as a voluntary and joyful thing that we can do to bring health to our family. Man, we thank you for Jesus and his gift. Obviously the gift on the cross that we're going to remember here in just a few moments, but the gift of new life the gift of example of what self-sacrifice and submission can look like.
It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Hey, we're going to receive communion together right now. And it's an opportunity to really reflect on his grace today. And it's an opportunity to allow some of these things that we're talking about in this series to flow out of that relationship, to flow out of that understanding of grace. And so we're going to pass out two cups stacked on top of each other. One has some bread representing Jesus' body. The other has some juice representing his blood. And I just want you to kind of sit and reflect for a few minutes on his grace and his compassion and his love. And then ask as you're sitting, what could this look like in my family? If I pick this banner up and I live the way that Jesus lived, what does this look like in my family? And then I'll come back up and we'll receive it all together uh, as a church family. His body given for you. His blood poured out. We receive communion because it's important for us to remember to receive grace and to receive his love and to receive his sacrifice, to internalize it and to have it make a difference in our lives and in our marriages and in our families. Makes the biggest difference of all. And we're really glad that you were here today. We wanna thank you for being here today. Wanna wish all all the moms a happy Mother's Day uh, on your way out. Um, We we have the cookie for you, so please uh, be sure to grab that because otherwise, like on Wednesday afternoon, I'm gonna be covered in crumbs and sugar and self-loathing. So, um, and diabetes, so don't, so. Please take a cookie on your way out. Even if you give it away, I'm begging you. All right, so, um, and so we want to we wanna wish you a happy Mother's Day. I hope it's a great day, and uh, um, I hope you're, you feel honored and appreciated today um, because you are. So go ahead and stand up, and let's sing together.